Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, I have to tell you, for one, I'm, I like miss you. Like, hear me say that. But there's something so relieving that we got to do this one on camera and not still in the same hotel room that we were in in Houston just 48 hours ago. I'm so glad we're home. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, me too. It was a journey to get home uh, from Texas. And um, yeah, I got to say, having to nap at a rest stop in order to drive home after we got off the plane i'd never want to do that again so like let the record show because i i can't <laughs> let myself be labeled as like the best friend that like made laura drive home the second that we landed i need to state for the record that i did ask if she needed to stay with me that night and she did tell me no. And I asked, are you good to drive home? And she said, of course, yes. So let, let the record show that I did try to keep this from happening. But let's also show that he was like, I cannot wait to be alone. Oh, my God. I really couldn't. I'm sorry. I, and you know how much I love you. I loved every second of our time together. I... And how he basically was sprinting out the door so that he could go to work. I needed to. I just, like, needed to get the things. Like, the anxiety of being out of the office unexpectedly for two days. I'm sure you feel it to some extent, right? Like, I, like, had so much anxiety. Like, I was like, I just need to start making everything be normal again. Like, I need to reclaim the experience that just happened to me (laughs) at the hands of United Airlines. I'm going to say it. I can't remember if we said it last time, but I'm going to say it. This time. I, I do think we said it, but... I don't think I remember much of the day that we spent in the hotel. Um, like, do you know what I day. mean? It, it was, but, like, it was, like, what did we... We didn't do anything. Like, but it was so good for me. Like, I think, like, for, like, my, like, well-being to just do nothing that entire day. But you did do stuff. I'm the one that didn't do anything. You like got up and had a meeting and then got breakfast and then went and walked to a gas station and got us toiletries. And then you did a bunch of other things that we can't talk about right now because they're for another time. And I ordered us clothes on Instacart. And even that, I only did like two items and you picked out the rest of the stuff. I have to tell you, though, I don't think you can overstate just how important your role in doing that was because you you were the reason that I had clean underwear <laughs> like I didn't have under like I didn't have I, I didn't have clothing like right like I went and got the t-shirt because I was like I'm just gonna like change into this because like I like and hear me out hear me say this like I picked the wrong underwear to wear that day because I was wearing underwear with like little like dinosaur bones on it. Like who am I? Like what child? It's because this has happened to me before in a different context where I didn't, I like had to stay somewhere that I didn't expect to. And I had to buy underwear from Target. And the one that was on sale was this pair of underwear with the bones on it, like the little like dinosaur bones. And so that's the underwear that I was wearing. Like, and I was like, I need, I need my life to be changed by 
not this on. Like, I need clean underwear. How many times can I say underwear to start the show? That has to be a new record, I think. Oh, I think I think one would have been a new record. Can we tell the truth? Maybe two. I might have mentioned it on on you know the episode from from Tuesday, but. So you were at least mildly productive. I was not. So. Well, mild is a really good way to put it because it was not anything extravagant. But we are home. We are home, and we made it home in time for you to be able to make it to the draft party, which, of course, we'll talk a lot about. And obviously, that was a good time for a few reasons. But we're home. I'm sitting here. I'm Well, I'm home. Um, Laura is not currently. I'll let her tell y'all what she's doing. But I'm currently sitting here having just finished reading through a lot about the the eight guys who are drafted by the Blue Jackets this week and, you know, just kind of processing it all. It's been kind of wild. I'm sitting here and I'm enjoying a peach long drink because if you were unfamiliar, long drink released this like midsummer pack that has four of the normal long drink. Did I say White Claw? No, I don't think so. Oh, I just short-circuited. Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> long drink has this midsummer pack that has four of the regular two of the cranberry and then two of a new peach flavor and it's magnificent and laura has one at her house and i was gonna make her like cheers with me but she's not home she is not home right now i am not home i am currently sitting in the living room of my friend aaron and seth's house as i babysit their toddler uh they are also my landlords technically and they are at the clippers game sitting in a box sweet okay come on that's the best uh, way to go to a baseball game let's tell the truth aaron was asking me about them and i was like i really think it's hilarious that you think that i've ever sat in a box for anything so but i was like it's gonna be air conditioned and they'll probably have free hot dogs for you so and i hope that was true i hope that they had a good setup i haven't heard otherwise so I guess I will see when they return, but yes, my nephew Bennett is sleeping right now, or he's just up there like hanging out because he likes his alone time too. So, yeah, I mean, I think I you're better than me. I like don't think I could be responsible for a human right now. Like, I don't think I'm still in the place where I'd be able to be responsible for a human. I feel irresponsible for myself right now. I'm still tired. I am also still tired, but I've taken a nap on my lunch break two days in a row. So Wow. Efficient. I can't nap. I wish I could. That's my least favorite thing about myself. I probably shouldn't nap, but I do. So I mean, listen, you gotta do what you gotta do to get through. But but yeah, Laura, were you able to so were you in office today or were you at home? I was at home today. So you were able to, you know, work and also keep an eye on some of the things that were happening with the Blue Jackets. I mean, realistically speaking, right, there's not a lot to report in ways of, like, things outside of just making picks, which I don't think is what anybody really truly expected when it came to what this draft was going to be. Is that my dishwasher going off? And can we hear it? Oh, I can definitely hear it. I thought it was one of Bennett's. I thought it was one of Bennett's toys. <laughs> nope, and that's the cameo from my dishwasher, folks. Welcome <laughs> on in. But um, <laughs> let me back that back up to say, really, the Blue Jackets just made draft picks, and that was not something that I think a lot of people expected to happen 
there was a lot of conversation about whether or not the Blue Jackets were going to potentially, you know, look at improving the team more quickly through trading some draft picks, potentially trading some prospects around around the draft. And I'm going to go out on the limb and say this, like, thankfully that didn't happen. Like, I'm pretty content with the lack of movement that the Jackets had here during the NHL draft. It was actually pretty quiet across the board, which I think didn't necessarily align with where people thought that this was going to go in terms of activity at the draft floor, but a pretty calm, I mean, don't get me wrong, exciting as hell, fantastic draft for the Jackets, but a pretty calm one in the sense of they just kind of got to make their picks and that was good. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as things are considered, it's kind of a pretty quiet draft for everyone. Like there weren't really, there were a couple, I think the Blackhawks um, did something but other than that, like there weren't really many trades, like not a whole lot of swapping around. Um, and it actually felt like it went a lot faster than it has in years past. Like, well, that's second day through seventh, two. Yeah, that second through seventh round went like quick. Like, I, I even was a little bit overwhelmed. Like, at least with some of the other leagues, right? Like, you're seeing, um, you know, the. The second round still has some weight, and then the third round. Like, I mean, even I think the NFL has split it into three days now where I don't know which rounds are on day two, but it's like second, third, maybe fourth. I'm not sure. But, like, that's kind of how they split it up. And so those days still matter a little bit. But, yeah, today was, like, rapid fire. And honestly, like, today I don't think you could say they, they got a player the caliber that they did on day one, but another really successful day for the Blue Jackets here on day two. And so as we're recording this on on Thursday night, you know, obviously I'm sure Yarmulkekalainen is up to some bullshit, but uh, for right now, this is what this is what happened on on the weekend. We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, Laura. But you know, um, I, I just first let's let's get into like what that environment was like. You got a chance to head over to the NHL draft party at Pins Mechanical at Easton, hosted by the Blue Jackets for the second year in a row. Were the lines for the players just as crazy or was that something that you kind of avoided because you got there a little bit later? Well, no, there were definitely still people in line. Um, They were a little bit more organized. Um, It was interesting because the Blue Jackets staff themselves had sectioned off like a much larger area than they did last year for themselves. So like there was more like personnel only space um but there were definitely still i got there probably at about 6 30 okay let me also say this this entire time up until probably like one o'clock on wednesday mm-hmm. i thought this shit started at eight <laughs> it's like i saw on twitter it said seven o'clock and i said oh i'm like well maybe that's when the draft show starts and then at eight is when the picks start and i'm like nope you better be locked and ready <laughs> by like 7.15 or, or 7.30 because that's when the jackets are going to pick. And mm-hmm. so, um, but you got in, you got in with plenty of time. I did. I do. There had to have been a, a thousand or more people there because the, all the free cups were gone by the time I got there. So no, not the free cups. I know it was sad because they're actually cute, but it's all right. And First first things first, had to go and say hi to our BFF, Mike Todd. 
He was doing all of the emceeing. He was in the same place that he was last year. So on the like mid level. Um, and the reason I knew people were still in line was because he was handing out prizes and he was like, if you're in line for an autograph, don't get out of line. So there were humans. Um, but yeah, there was lines for Sean Corrali and Elvis Morris Lincolns, uh, which were both very popular. Um, Elvis's family was there. So his wife and little baby Knox, who's not really a baby anymore. He's a toddler. Um, but yeah. And then I got to meet up with our friends, the, all the boys in the artillery and then Danny and Kyle's sister. So it was so much fun. Yeah, definitely FOMO here in Grand Rapids when I was literally breaking my thumbs, just like basically like refreshing just as much as humanly possible on <laughs> on Twitter, trying to stay abreast of things. But I have to say, I was good and I let let myself not have anything ruined for me. And like I stopped looking at my phone probably like a few minutes up until Anaheim picking. Like once Anaheim was on the clock, my phone was down. I didn't want to see on Twitter who they picked. And then obviously had some things to tweet after that pick, but then pretty much right after that, right after the tweets were sent, the phone was locked face down. I wasn't going to see anything. And I, I mean, you had a chance to see Laura, two pretty cool reactions to things because obviously, you know, it, it felt like for the blue jackets, that second pick mattered the most because, you know, it informed where they were going to go. And it's just, really dope to to re relive those moments because so many different camera angles of everybody reacting to, to the Ducks choosing Leo Carlson, but then also to the Jackets choosing Adam Fantilli. So Laura, what was that like? I mean, was it just as hype there as it seemed on video? Oh, yeah, it was really hype. Um, so I was sitting with Danny and Kyle Kelsey, um, and Kyle was like standing above me, and we were kind of just sitting there like on the edge of our seats. And most people must have been at the draft party last year because everyone seemed to remember that you can't hear anything unless everybody shuts up. So like all of Pins Mechanical like went quiet when Anaheim came up and cause everyone wanted to hear like, you know, this is basically deciding our fate. Like if they had picked Adam Fantilli, like everything would have been different. And so we're all sort of there with bated breath. And they announced that they're picking Leo Carlson and like the place just erupts, like just erupts. Like, I don't, I think we were probably more hyped than the Ducks fans. Like, although I hear that some Ducks fans are pissed that they didn't pick Adam Fancilli, but uh-huh, whatever. Um, so then you kind of get this like nervousness because our beloved Yarmo Kakalainen like does have a tendency to like, throw like curveball out there and so you kind of start like thinking to yourself like well what if what if he doesn't pick Adam Fantilli like what if he still goes with Will Smith because all day long everyone had been saying that he was going to pick Will Smith and like you know what if he just allows him to fall again and so you kind of get like that nervous energy and then you have those people being like, no, 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 there's no way he would do that. And like, you know, it took them kind of a while to, you know, walk up to the stage and lock their, you know, pick in and all that sort of stuff. And, and again, the whole place 
like quiet. We even told like people were telling little kids not to throw their bowling balls so that like we could hear. Um, and just like almost like collectively, like our breasts were held. And, you know, they do the whole, like, thank you to Nashville. Thank you, you know, congratulations to Vegas and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then, you know, JD is finally like, you know, here's Jeremy Kekalainen for the pick and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, and the second he said the University of Michigan, everyone just exploded. Because it was all the, like, sadness and repression that we felt from the draft lottery party when we dropped to three and like swore that Adam Fantilli was like out of our reach forever. And then like all of a sudden, like the tides just made an entire like 180 and finally something good was happening. Yeah. This is the win that you were talking about. We mentioned it on the show and I I find myself like this is going to be a little bit of revisionist history. So like, bear with me here because I know that I'm on my bullshit when I say this, but you know, and part of me wonders, like, obviously, like you said, Laura, like this is the win that, that we needed. It felt like it was the kind of pick that, like you said, redeemed a lot of things, but it was one of those things where I like was reflecting on like just how excited I was about it. And I like, in that moment was like, I'm definitely more excited about this than I am about Leo Carlson. And I, and and I think in that moment, I was like, I think I did that thing where like you you have like talked yourself into accepting a reality and like have learned to like like that reality more than the other option because you just don't think that it's a possibility that it's gonna happen for you. And so I had that realization. I'm like, oh, like I definitely think I like tricked myself into believing that Leo Carlson was the player that I wanted at three and being able to say that the Jackets were able to to draft Adam Fantilli. And I think like obviously right like we pay attention i think to as much as we can in terms of at least i know i do of what these prospects are doing like and where they're doing it and all that kind of stuff but you don't necessarily i mean i don't have the time to go in and like learn about these guys as people all that much and so i think it was even better to you know learn more about him as a person and see some of the really cool things that he did like having you know 150 plus names on the back of his sweater on the back of his vest i should say that he wore for you know with a suit and you know just things like that like basically calling his shot to columbus like those are the kind of things that like i don't know just injected into our like that was exactly what we needed and i can't imagine anybody else being that pick there like in hindsight yeah no i mean it was i think legitimately written in the stars when you know them pulling up that footage from May where he was at the NHL offices and like, you know, I think for someone his age and someone going into this like situation, it can be kind of tricky to like say what team you would like to be drafted by. And, you know, he just spoke with so confident, so much confidence back in May saying, you know, I, he's like, it may be out of, I think he said left field, left field or something um but he was like I really want to be drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets he's like the connection to the University of Michigan the veteran presence the you know energy in that locker room like all that sort of stuff he says that's what I wear where I want to be and like it would be such an honor to be drafted by them and I think you know we say it all the time because we're constantly trying to convince people that like we are a hockey town. We are a team that has 
you know, such great potential and like people do want to play here and to have, you know, this kid who is definitely a fast rising star before he is even in the draft um, say that he wants to come here is like pretty incredible and obviously made for a really great story um, for last night's party um, because that's basically, I think more people were talking about that than they were about Connor Bernard going to the Blackhawks. So that has, you know, something to say too. Yeah, I mean, and the Blue Jackets are getting a guy who, in most other drafts, is going to be your number one guy. I mean, this is somewhat reminiscent, I think, and this is no disrespect to Leo Carlson, but this is somewhat reminiscent to like what you saw with with Connor Bedard and Jack Eichel. I think it's some similarities here, where it's like in a lot of different years, Jack Eichel obviously would have been a consensus, you know, first overall draft pick. You could even say that about Leo Carlson. I, I think he would have been too, and so. When you think about what the Blue Jackets got here, I mean, we're not just talking about a guy who wants to be in Columbus. Like, that stuff's good and cool and fine. But there's a real argument to be made that this could be the best prospect the Blue Jackets have ever had in their system. And that is is no disrespect to Rick Nash, of course, but, like, we're talking about a guy who could potentially be the franchise-defining number one center that this franchise has struggled to find since its inception in 2000. And that's, like... Again, the importance of that cannot be overstated. Yeah, I just, this was such a big moment. And I think as we go through the rest of the uh, the other seven draft picks um, over the course of the last two days, like, I think we will see that there is such a strong caliber of players and players that you know they may never reach being a blue jacket but they are people that we could use down the line to you know get additional pieces because they are strong enough to go to other teams or you know all this sort of stuff and um this is definitely as you said when I asked you this afternoon how you felt about everything and you know you said this is probably the best draft class out of this draft and more than likely the best draft class that the blue jackets have ever had. So it was, it's been a big two days um, in blue jackets land. And for the first time in a long time, it's felt like, you know, we're on top of things and good things are coming our way. Um, So it's just been nice. It's been nice to be excited and, you know, development campus starting in just a couple of days and I could not be more excited to go stand in an ice rink um, and check out all these new guys. Yeah. And, you know, we won't make you and the rest of our listeners wait too long to, to get to know these guys a little bit better because what we're going to do now, we're going to take a look at the eight Blue Jackets draft picks, talk a little bit about what they bring to the table, talk a little bit about, you know, what, what their last couple of years have looked like. And and we'll start there. We'll start with the, set, with the third overall draft pick, um, and that is Adam Fantilli. And courtesy of Elite Prospects, this is where we're getting all of this from. And so kudos to them, the Elite Prospects 2023 NHL Draft Guide. Great resource for people if you're starting to, you know, it's cool to read it before folks get drafted. But go check out, like, if you can, if you can access that, subscribe to it. It's great. And what you'll get is you'll get the opportunity to learn about all the guys that your favorite team, presumably the Blue Jackets, if you're listening to the show, 
basically about what all those guys can do and what they're about. So, I mean, Adam Fantilli was the consensus second overall prospect in this class. Um, and, and per elite prospects, their, their paragraph right up a puck dominant player. Fantilli builds speed ahead of each possession attacks through the neutral zone with crossover, heavy weaving rush patterns and carves through defensemen or through defensive formations with equal parts, cunning skill and power. Every touch is an opportunity to drive the net and Fantilli's never seen one that he could pass up. He's physical. His motor never stops. His on-ice intelligence is ever-present in the defensive and neutral zones as it is in the offensive third. So, obviously, that's a guy the Blue Jackets are happy to have. You know, he won the Hobie Barker last year. He won the um, playoff MVP in the USHL when he was in the US, USHL playing for the Chicago Steel. So, I mean, this guy has has found success at multiple levels you know his his year at michigan last year his freshman year he wins the hobie barker and he um he puts up 30 goals 35 assists 65 points in total in in 36 games it's it's unprecedented and it's and we're talking about jack eichel numbers when we start to talk about the the production that he had at the university of michigan this last year laura i mean what else can you say like this is a guy who his compete is elite He's a guy who is not going to take losing too kindly. And again, like that's what we need in this redevelopment of the culture in Columbus. On a personal level, like he has handled everything with so much grace, like to get to this level. Um, all, you know, a lot of these guys, they've been in the hockey system. They've made this their life for basically since they were toddlers, like two, three years old. And Adam has just such a presence of mind. Like you could not tell that he is as young as he is, like just by how he's handled all the press that he's had to do, all the interviews, like just the spotlight in and of itself. Um, Because of course, as always, when anyone goes to Columbus, there's always a group of dickheads that's, you know, that's what they are like just saying like how terrible it would be to be picked by Columbus and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, so it's, it's his first exposure to, to that as well. But, you know, he reminds me a lot of when we drafted Cole and Cole is like a full grown hockey man inside a 20 year old's body. so, um, you know, it's just, it's nice to see that nice to see that he's not, not shy and he's ready to, you know, take this all on because they have already started the conversation that the Blue Jackets do feel that he is ready to um, immediately come into the NHL. So he has not yet made that decision and it it will be his decision whether or not he goes uh, back to Michigan for his sophomore year or if he, you know, immediately comes and joins us here in Columbus, but it's just been really impressive and um, I'm excited to see him on the ice. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, you know, obviously the blue jackets drafted a guy that they think is ready to take the next step and be an NHL talent from day one. And I think a lot of people agree with the, with the jackets assessment and in, in that. And so we'll see where that goes. Obviously the hope is, and the conversations have kind of alluded to that potentially being an opportunity, but, Obviously, we don't we won't know that until at least definitely after development camp. And what a what a cherry on top of that Sunday that would be to to make that happen when development camp wraps up on the fifth. But Laura, obviously Adam Fantilli, 
the story of the draft for the Blue Jackets, but not the only story. Um, and and that is there are another seven guys here, like we alluded to, that are talented, and we're going to talk about you know each of these players. Elite prospects does a good job of kind of showing you where different like sites have them ranked and their prospect rankings and their pre-draft rankings. And so I'll give a range of what that looked like. We'll talk a little bit about what they bring to the table and a little bit about what they did in the last couple of years. So first up, Laura, um, you know, 34th overall pick second round uh, draft pick for the Columbus blue jackets is Gavin Brindley, Gavin Brindley um, listed as a center but could also play right wing and he's got a range of uh, as, as high as ninth overall and the lowest looks like we're looking at uh, 40 overall, Um, but only one was, was lower than where the blue jackets took him at 34. So this is a guy that people thought could potentially sneak into the first round. He doesn't, there were a couple of those guys there for the jackets and for uh, Anaheim there at the start of the second round. And the Jackets did not waste any time reuniting um, reuniting him and Adam Fantilli. Um, this is a kid from the University of Michigan as well. And, you know, again, per elite prospects, he's got a high motor. You know, he is he excels on the defensive side of the puck. He's a great four checker and he's reliable in the defensive zone. He's always moving, always attacking lanes, bouncing around defenders to find them. Uh, he's great on the power play and he's he's got great anticipation, great hockey IQ. And so... Laura, this is a kid that the Jackets are happy to have, and it's it's an interesting pattern. That this is not the first time that they draft two guys from the same program, you know, back to back, and so they they reunite these two teammates, these two really good buds, and and this is who they've got here in the second round. Yeah, it was exciting. Um, we are no stranger to drafting uh, people from the University of Michigan, and it was nice to have Adam there this morning. Um, when Gavin did get picked because he was there, gave him a huge hug. Like just, you could tell how excited they were that they were going to be having this experience together. Um, obviously Gavin, um, is more than likely going back to the university of Michigan to continue on in his college career, but they will still go through like prospect or development camp together and, Um, all that sort of stuff and still be in constant connection as they both go through this journey, joining the franchise, but it's just a special connection and the talent that's been coming out of that institution as of late, like, is just, I think we should feel really fortunate that, um, that they're excited to come here and they're excited to share their wealth of talent, um, in the Buckeye States, um, so it's going to be great. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, like you said, it like this is a kid who should, by all accounts, go back to Michigan for his second year. And he, he had a productive first year, right? I mean, he had 12 goals, 26 assists, 38 points in total across 41 games played. So he's somebody who clearly is is capable of you know doing good things in in that level and could potentially do a similar thing right and and potentially compete for a Hobie Baker next year as somebody who clearly doesn't have any trouble creating offense and doesn't have any trouble um, you know finding the back of the net himself so this is a great this is a great pick and and this is the other thing of it this is a team in the University of Michigan 
that is going to have a lot of, of really good players next year too. Like this is another team that's going to more than likely find a way to, to make it to the frozen four potentially. And that's good. You want your prospects to be playing competitive games at a time like this. And so Laura, this is, this is good stuff. Absolutely. Perfect. So let me go ahead and bring us to our next pick, which is none other than William Whitelaw. What a name. <laughs> um, so William Whitelaw is a also listed as a center on EP ringside. And this is a kid who, you know, he's from the United States and he has just recently finished up, uh, you know, playing for the Youngstown Phantoms. So uh, he spent some time here in the good old Buckeye State and he is, you know, going to the University of Wisconsin next year. This is a kid who was ranked anywhere from as low as 23rd overall as a prospect up to 76, it looks like was the high end. But again, 76 is an outlier because the next highest has him at 65. So this is a guy who went about, I would say, above where he was originally looking at. And it's a guy that the Jackets are happy to get because he is an above average skater. He has got great hockey IQ again. He's, you know, really great at generating offense. He's somebody who is a finisher. He's adaptable. He's deceptive. And he just has a great shot. Like this is a guy who, you know, is a little bit undersized, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's 5'9", 174 listed right now. And, you know, so he's going to definitely want to want to beef up a little bit in, in college when he's there in Wisconsin. But I think a cheese curd or two could get him to where he needs to be. So we should be okay on that front. Yeah, he's definitely on the smaller side, but again, he has that great connection to Ohio. Um, also has a great connection already to some of the people working in the front office um, as their kids also play with him in Youngstown. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting to see again sort of another Ohio-ish product and him be familiar with the organization and be familiar with you know, the state, um, but also be excited to show what he can do um, at Wisconsin and know that, like, we're still going to be keeping an eye on him. And, like, you know, depending on how he performs, like, will really depend on how quickly he moves through our system. And he seems excited. And I love his last name. Um, and I just, again, he's another one of these guys that's, like, super pumped to be a blue jacket. And I think that's a reoccurring theme um, throughout um, all of these guys today with, you know, with the exceptions of the ones we didn't get to see in person. Um, but yeah, I just, a lot of talent and I'm excited to watch his, his career start to develop even more um, at the college level coming up too. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have uh, an opportunity to prove himself a little bit as a freshman there at Wisconsin this year. Last year with the Phantoms, he played in 62 games, had 36 goals, 25 assists, good for 61 points overall. And in the playoffs, he was a point-per-game player as well in nine games. Um, you know, and I believe they won. I think the Youngstown Phantoms won the USHL championship this year. And so, you know, he's a kid who was a point-per-game skater in that forum and, you know, You've got to be, again, happy to be adding guys to your lineup that have won 
and it doesn't matter at what level, but you're getting guys that have this culture of winning that are that are upset if they don't win and will do the things that they need to do to make sure that they win the next time around. And so this is another big win for the Jackets, Laura. I, it, you know, I, I can't say enough about these first three picks. Yeah, I agree. I think these first three for the Blue Jackets are just so strong. And if I'm Yarmo and his team, like, truly like I don't know how they weren't just like jumping up and down the whole day like to get through like from last night to get through today um because things just the cards kept falling in their place and especially with these top three um yeah it's just I keep looking at other teams you know draft classes and not that if you get to this point you are a talented player but like and I may be a little biased but this is just a great platform not platform but like these first three of ours are just such such a strong caliber and i think just heads above some of the other teams yeah i I absolutely agree uh you know i think the jackets had a pretty strong prospect pool going into this and they're they're leaving even with just those first three picks incredibly stronger like they, they could potentially be the strongest draft or the strongest prospect pool in, in all of hockey. And I would, and I would hear that out for sure. But Laura, obviously I was happy that the Jackets picked Adam Fantilli and I was, you know, thrilled when, when the Ducks picked Leo Carlson at two, but it wasn't just because of the hockey that I was excited, Laura. It was because of something else. And what it's do you know what that something else was? It's because you got to win money on DraftKings. I won a lot of money on DraftKings because I put money on Leo Carlson to go second overall to the to the Ducks, and then I picked Adam Fantilli at third overall. And so uh, happy, happy Jeremy yesterday. And you can also be happy if you take a look at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN, bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and why four six seven three six nine in Kansas call one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. In Virginia, gambling problem call one eight hundred gambler or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call eight 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 seven eight nine. 7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and up in most eligible states, but varies, age varies by jurisdiction. cdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10 plus a legal requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. I feel like Dirk's Bentley. <laughs> yeah. And Laura, like we've talked about, like this draft was, was deep for the Jackets. It didn't stop after those first three. And the the Blue Jackets with the 98th overall pick, the, you know, the second pick of the fourth round, they selected – from again the Youngstown Phantoms, so this like pattern of two and two, right? Um, Andrew Strathman, and you know he's a defender, 
and you know looking at where he was where he was ranked by other folks you know you've got anything from 47 is the as the highest pick and then you know the the lowest is 79 and the jackets get him at 98 so this is something that you know you just on on paper you look at that anything that they got themselves a pretty good value pick here in, in the fourth round yeah, it seems like he fell a little bit more than people anticipated him to. And, you know, always in those circumstances, like, you get kind of a higher quality player because he's just getting, he's he's not getting passed up because he's not talented. It's just like his needs don't fit uh, the teams that have had picking ability leading up to that. And I always think that we get some of the more special players in those circumstances. So, and again, you know, we are following this pattern of like continuing to pick people who have chemistry with other um, prospects that were were selected in this round and in, in this draft. And you know, I think that's kind of fun. I think it's, you know, I'm sure they've done it before, but in in my like experience, I think it was nice for Kent. I mean, I know Nick wasn't drafted, but like for them to come into this situation together, I just think it's easier to have friends and like have people to go through certain things with. So I don't hate this pattern. No, it's, it's interesting too. Right. But the thing like, it's always so fascinating to me too. Like this is going backwards a little bit, but it's always so fascinating to see how some of these players like know each other or have been around each other, even if they're not being drafted out of the same program. I mean, Adam Fantilli and Luca Del Babaluz played together um, at one point. And again, that's another Blue Jacket Center prospect that they're hoping could potentially turn into something. And so it's fascinating, all these intertwinements. And, and for sure, it seems like the Jackets have a lot of chemistry in their prospect pool. And, and you know, Strathman adds to that. He's somebody who is, uh, is a pretty offensive defenseman. He, you know, is, is pretty good at you know, defending a one-on-one, -on -one, um, and again, this is all courtesy of Elite Prospects, wow. and he's he's pretty responsible on the puck too, like which is which is good news. I mean, sometimes these these defensemen can, you know, if they've got some offensive prowess to them, they sometimes lack on on the defensive side of things, and and we've definitely had some some in our day, <laughs> and and I mean, like that's a problem that Zach Kerensky had earlier in his career, so it's one of those things where. It's good to know that he's coming into the NHL with a skill set that he does. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, and he's the first defenseman of this draft, right? The first one that we've and and the only, yeah. So and no the other. Only, yeah. I knew no. we only had, we didn't have many because we pretty much got a decent handful in last year's mm -hmm. draft, but um, I wasn't sure if it was one or two. Um, so good on him to to be the only defender that is in this draft class. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And then you take a look then at um, at the Blue Jackets next pick again in the fourth round. This is at 114th overall. They were able to to snag Luca Pinelli from the Ottawa 67s in the OHL, and this is a guy who again, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but was ranked a lot higher in a lot of different um, projections than. Then he went, right? So Elite Prospects had him at 82. He went at 114. But if you take a look at this, uh, it looks like the highest he was in anybody's was 37th. Um, and the lowest that he was in anybody's was 86. And that was TSN. So, I mean, again, this is a guy at 114. Just again, on paper, you, you've, you've gotten 
some value there. And this is a guy who, you know, according to elite prospects, Pinelli is one of those leave it all on the ice kind of forwards who plays with pace and consistently drives between the dots quite often by going through defenders. A read and react player with advanced scanning habits brings ton of defensive energy too. And I think that this is like some of this, right, is a shift in the way hockey is played that all these players have that like elite skill to them, no matter where they're getting picked in the draft, like the skill on all of these players is extraordinary, but it just feels exciting to know that that is an area where the blue jackets continue to grow, even with some of these later in, in the draft picks, um, you know, we're talking one fourteen here. So you're a little over halfway into the draft. I mean, that's really a positive. I think if you look at what we've come from, being a team that never really has had a lot of that skill just at its disposal. And and here we are. Yeah. And I think that that points to, you know, like you said, how the game is changing, but also the, the certain skill set they're looking as they see the projected future of specifically the blue jackets and the type of hockey that they're going to want them to be playing again, you know, there's no guarantee like that prospects end up com- coming into the main club, but like you want to, as you're looking forward and you always have to be looking forward because, you know, you can't just look at the here and now in a hockey situation because you just never know what's going to happen to your players and when you're going to have to do this, that, or the other thing. But I think it really stands to like the difference that management and Yarmo are looking for now as we push forward um, this rebuild into a, we want to win now. We want to win often. We want to win for several years, you know, let's get this going sort of standpoint. Yeah. And I think that, you know, these first batch of five, like I think they start to get you to a place where you're like, this is going to be, a draft to remember for the Jackets. After Luca Pinelli went, I think that's when I really started to see a lot of folks on Twitter saying, like, sneakily Columbus is, like, making making waves here in this draft, and nobody's really talking about it. And so kudos to all those pundits who, who saw it happening. But the Jackets, it took them until – and this is, like, I don't know. It feels like a shift from how, like, the Jackets that I've known, right, Um they found themselves drafting with their first five picks, pretty much all Americans and Canadians, and didn't move over to Europe until their fifth round pick at 156 overall. And in that, they selected um, Melvin Straw from um, Moto Hockey, and he's a goaltender and, you know, not a ton of information about him, frankly, on elite prospects, but you know, he's a guy who played um, in in the J20, like, National League, and he, I mean, not great um, on, on paper, but that's the thing about goaltending as a whole when it comes to prospects, right? I mean, like, this is, there's so much space for development, and so much is going to change once this guy starts to work with some of our, some of our coaches, but it's, it's, this is somebody where, like, I think it's irresponsible to not take a goaltender every draft. Like, you just want to make sure that you always have a pretty constant flow of prospects at that position. And so this, to me, feels like, a well, if you look later in the draft, there's nobody we want. Let's pick them now, and let's go from here. 
Well, it was because I know you were watching the ESPN feed of the draft today, and I was listening to the um, skate space that was hosted specifically by the Blue Jackets. So when this pick was made, they actually spoke with um, our brand new goalie coach um, to get his perspective because he's actually had a little bit more opportunity to view this um, prospect playing over in Europe since he is our European development coach. Um, And he didn't have a ton to say, but he did say that like all of the um, like sort of basics are there and there's a lot of great foundation to build off of. He is a very tall goaltender. Uh, I think he's 6'3 or 6'4, but he is a string bean. Like he is only like 163 pounds. And to be that tall and that skinny, he is like straight up beanpole. So, um, but because goaltenders like tend to not like make it into the higher levels until they are much older, he does have quite a bit of time to like, you know, put some muscle on, put a little weight behind it. But his type of goaltending is oftentimes kind of like Sergei Borowski, like benefited from their more lanky form because they do have a longer reach and they do have, um, they're more nimble in certain ways, but he, he will need to put on a little bit of weight before um, getting into these higher levels. But our new coach seemed to like be pretty okay with this pick and, was excited at the potential of, of working with him and seeing how he develops um, over the course of the next two years. Yeah, 6'3", 165. I'll tell you, when I saw him, I felt like I was looking in a mirror, Laura. <laughs> I really did. I really did. But um, now, come on. Y'all didn't think we were going to get through this draft without Yarmo picking a fin, did you? Of course not. I would hope you didn't think so, but the Jackets didn't have a pick in the sixth round, and so we moved directly into the seventh round where the Blue Jackets, with the 194th overall pick, picked Oiva Keskinen, and he, you know, is is over there playing in, you know, in Finland, and he's going to be playing for uh, Tabra. He actually did play for Tabra, I should say. Uh, you know, back, he's part of their U20 program, and he's, he's good. He's, he's pretty good. He's, he's found success there in the junior leagues of Finland, and I'm sure that as he continues to progress, uh, he's going to be somebody who, like, it's going to take some time for him to be, relevant i think to the blue jackets picture he might not ever really fully make it but he's somebody who could continue to develop playing against men in finland and then once he's ready maybe he'll come over here take a shot have some have some chances in the ahl see what he can do maybe eventually crack the i i mean it's it's unlikely when we start talking about seventh round picks but he's a player that seems to have a lot of upside and and the jackets seem to like him we just get good product out of Finland. Like we just I mean, get Yarma knows it, right? I mean Tapada is the you know, one of the one of the junior programs there in, in Tampere. And so obviously Yarmo's neck of the woods, you know, he played for Tapada. So like of course this is this is big for him. I think Yarma played for Tapada. I'm gonna have to look that up. And if it's not, I will be editing it. But if not, <laughs> I'm so right. I'm I'm smart. 
but no, I mean, as you can see, like, I think it's one of those countries, like there's a decent amount of people that come out of it, but it's still one of those ones where it's like, I think people are still discovering it. And obviously, you know, we have, we are lucky enough to have one of Finland's top uh, players on our team right now with Patrick Laine and like, you know, we we just love ourselves a good Finn. We have some lovely Finnish friends and listeners. And yeah, he I mean, like you said, seventh round pick, you just never know. But um as my beloved favorite player uh said the other day on Twitter, there's nothing wrong with a late sixth round pick. So seventh round, you never know either. So No, without a doubt. And and I mean the jackets also, for what it's worth, Yarmulkekalainen did play for Tapado once, but he played most of the time in Finland with with Ilves, and that is the other team in Tampere. So, that I just started some shit with that. I'm sure that one one group claims him over the other, but but yeah, I mean, then you move on. You think that we're done. The Jackets have made their last selection in Oiva Keskinen, and they they had not because they ended up trading their 2024 seventh-round pick in exchange for the 2023 seventh-round pick that the Vegas Golden Knights were holding on to. And so they were able to make the final pick of, of the draft. And, Laura, this is where I think a lot of people were, like, shocked by the value of this player that was here because this is a guy who – you know, had been looked at as potentially being a second or third rounder coming into his draft year. And, you know, it just, it just wasn't happening for him this year. I mean, he wasn't, wasn't bad necessarily. The kid, you know, put up 24 goals, 17 assists. So 41 points in 64 games and, you know, it's respectable, but it wasn't what everybody thought it was going to be. And the inconsistencies there, led him to, to fall back to where he did. But again, we're talking about a player that had an upside in, in folks' projections of being the 63rd ranked prospect in this whole thing. And then the absolute lowest was from the daily faceoff at 137th. So again, we're talking about massive, especially here, massive value add for the Jackets there in the seventh round. Um, little write-up here, he has speed, physicality, and motor that is necessary to play a more defensive role at a high level and release power to score on the power play. He finishes checks, uses his stick, and preemptively moves on his opponent, opponents as they get the puck. This kid is a, is a big kid. I think he's like 6'1", 6'2", about 205, 210. Um, that's a big kid uh, for an 18-year-old, and he's probably going to develop into – I think I read somewhere that Josh Anderson was a, a player that he kind of modeled his game after, and so if the Jackets could have just – found a way into Josh Anderson light in the seventh round. I think they'll be really, really fucking excited about that. Yeah. And what a story too. Like he literally in his family, um, he had a bunch of family members with him. I actually don't think we've said his name. His name is Tyler Peedle. Oh yeah. Wait, shit. <laughs> yeah. Tyler Peedle. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I was just like, I don't think we've named him. Um, but yeah. So he and his family stuck it out till the bitter end. I think kind of just being like, just holding on to that gut feeling, I think uh, is how he best described it. Like he just, he felt like he couldn't leave and he wanted to see it all the way through. And I think he said he also felt like a shift when Vegas traded 
the pick to Columbus and um, just like the overwhelming emotion to be that very last pick after such an emotional two days. Um, And he just like, he and his whole family just lit up the room. Like he could not have been more excited. And, you know, I think that also speaks to the tenacity of all these kids going through this, like, because they are kids, they're, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, like, and it's just such pressure. You've been working for this your whole life. And a lot of times, you know, your your parents have also uh, dedicated a good chunk of their life and their money and their time and, you know, their coaches and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it, it does not shortchange Tyler in, in uh, the least that he was the very last pick. Um, it just it just shows what tenacity he has. And so I'm very happy for him and for his family. And who knows what will happen um, in our pipeline with him. But um, I definitely think we still got a good one with the very last pick. And it shows that when you're nice and flexible, you can be rewarded. Because they said that that is why Vegas uh, was so okay with... Um, giving a, or doing that trade because we were so decent to work with uh, in the Jonathan Quick uh, situation. Yeah, a little bit of a, hey, you're welcome for this. But but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how how it's third year and Drummondville goes. He, he's going to have an opportunity to, to do something there. And, you know, it it's a cool story. It's a cool story. And you have to wonder, right, like if you're, if you're in that position and you're the one that it happens to and you uh, – have felt like so passed over and like not wanted really like for so long of, of the day. And then a team makes a move to trade you. Um, I mean, that has to hopefully light a little bit of a spark and I'm sure that's going to inspire him to really do what he can to try to make it at this level and we'll see where it goes. And of course, you know where you can uh, learn all about that. And that's going to be here on your favorite podcast. But um but yeah, I mean, Laura, all in all, an A, A-plus draft for me for the Jackets, and it's going to be interesting to see if anything else shifts between now and when the free agency period opens on July 1st at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But, I mean, we're going to release this podcast out into the ether, and so here's hoping nothing crazy happens. But uh, as of right now, nothing crazy has happened. I've been refreshing Twitter as we're recording because I don't trust them. That's understandable. Correct. But Laura, a couple other things that we want to make sure that we talk about, um, you know, on this show before we wrap this one up. So not official official yet, but like more details about what Mike Babcock's contract could potentially look like when he signs his contract with the Jackets on July 1st. So it looks like it's going to be a two year. So I feel like that's important. Two year, $4 million contract. So 4 million a year, I should say. And so it's going to be, wild to see how this whole thing goes he's got two years to figure it out but i think to a lot of folks that was a really palatable term on the contract if it works out great if it doesn't it's two years and it's a blemish but we'll move past it and i think it sets the jackets up successfully for if year one goes well i think they'll try to extend them but we'll we'll just see what happens yeah i think based on his uh past and if we are kind of doing this on a um Let's give him a second chance, see if things have actually 
changed or whatnot sort of circumstances. I don't know if that's the conversation. I don't know if they have said anything to him about that. I can assume so based on his reputation. But I think, like you said, two years is palatable. Um, If it goes to shit, it's two years. Uh, We've already been going through shit for multiple years. So what's, you know, but if it works out, then it gives them the opportunity to think if he should be um, part of that future, like, and all that sort of stuff. So it will be interesting. I'm interested to see what he has to say about joining the team um, and what his ideology is going to be um, about this team and our franchise, um, especially concerning the large depth of younger and prospective players that we have um, and his history with working with those types of players. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, but yes, we have heard that the press conference will be more than likely it will be on Saturday, but more than likely Saturday morning since free agency opens um, at noon. So yeah, we will, we will probably have a new coach on Saturday and not probably we will have a new coach on Saturday. I was going to say if we don't, that's a bigger issue, but, but yeah, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of hard questions for him to ask and I hope he comes prepared to, to answer those, but who, who knows at this point, right? But uh, one last hockey-related story, at least that I have on my radar, Laura, before we we wrap this one up. So um, it looks like, and this is a pretty developing story because it's happening really kind of in real time as we're recording here on Thursday night. But it looks like um, it does look like the PWHPA has purchased the PHF. So we're talking specifically about women's professional hockey in North America. And originally I think it sounded like good, but it's shifting quickly. So essentially what's happening is like, it looks like a number of the teams are going to be dissolved. Um, So this isn't like a total merger. And on top of that, all of the PHF contracts that players just signed um, are all null now. Like none of them have contracts. And so what it's going to do is it's going to funnel all the, all the talent to the top for, from both leagues. And like those are going to be the players that are sticking around, but it's also going to remove a lot of opportunities for, for folks who identify as women to, to play professional hockey at a really competitive level. And so that's a little bit of a bummer, but that's kind of just like the update. Hopefully that's, it ends up being a good thing for, for the progression of women's hockey. It's going to take a lot of time. And maybe this is like the the real shitty truth of how they needed to grow from from the get. But um, you know, that's I'm not in the room, and I shouldn't be in the room. So I, you know, am am interested to see how this one is going to shape out. Yeah, um, when I first heard about it, um, well, from you, but also I, I had heard some rumblings about it before. You and I were having this conversation while I was driving, and you said a lot of acronyms at one time, and I just like did not understand what you were saying. Um, but it, yeah, it, it had started out kind of like, oh, this will be good. And then now it has suddenly gotten very messy and it doesn't really feel like a lot of these details were communicated um, properly to like players and uh, team officials and all this sort of stuff. Cause it feels very much so like a lot of people are finding out as press releases are coming out. Um, so that's always really shitty, especially like if you are about to lose your job or if you are about to lose your opportunity to be playing in the sport that you love, like 
that is not the best way to go about it. So hopefully things start to clear up and become more um, defined as days go on. But obviously there's, you know, been a lot happening in as far as the world of women's professional hockey over the last couple of years. And, you know, you just want to get it to a place where like they're getting the respect that they deserve. They're getting the opportunities that they deserve. They're getting the money that they deserve. Um, so hopefully in the end, this ends up being a good thing, but right now it's kind of a hot mess express. Yeah, without a doubt. So we'll, we'll keep our eye on that. As you all know, we like to do, but, um, Laura, is there anything else? I, I know we have one more thing we want to talk about, but like, is there anything else on your hockey mind tonight as we're, as we're looking at free agency coming up? I mean, I, I have said this before. There's not a single player on this free agency market that I am like interested in the blue jackets that we're going after. So I really don't care if they're quiet on July 1st. They've got some extensions that they could sign. You know, they've got Ken Johnson, Crow Marchenko, Cole Sillinger. You know, you've got a lot of these younger players that are, are now at their, you know, they're not expiring contracts, but they're at the opportunity to sign an extension. So that's really the biggest thing I'm looking for on, on Saturday when free agency opens. Yeah, I think I'm, you know, along the same page as you. Like, I don't know how much we're going to do in free agency, but I'm more looking forward to what he's going to have, what Yarmo and the front office are going to have to do with this, like, excessive amount of players that we have because people are going to have to be moved somewhere else. Like, we just don't physically have the cap space or um, the roster space for a, a decent chunk of humans, both defensively and um, offensively. So that's going to be really interesting. I think some, well, obviously some trade talks will be, um, coming up and it'll be interesting to see what that brings about, whether it be picks or future considerations or other players, like getting rid of two or three players at a time to get one person, like, um, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's going to be interesting. They're definitely not done. We have to cut corners uh, to get within the cap space because we, you know, that's just how this works. It's only going up 1 million this year. So um, it'll still be a little bit tight, but it's going to be exciting. So yeah, I'm not super stressed about free agency. Um, it's more so going to be these trades and these other transactions that are going to have to happen um, in order to make us compliant and shore up a lot of these, um, you know, roster decisions. But I am, I think you'll come with me, but I am at least attending uh, Prospect Camp uh, day one. Uh, I'm very excited. And it's, yeah, getting to see Adam Fantilli on the ice at the Chiller North, which is just so funny because it's just such a tiny place. Um, but it's, yeah, it's exciting. And I'm glad there's some hockey to be played and to feel like the coolness of an ice rink again and all that sort of stuff. So if you're at, if you're coming to Prospect Camp, um, any of the days, it's July uh, 2nd through the 5th at Chiller North. Uh, it is open to the public, um, but be prepared. It is bleacher seating. Um, not a lot of, you know, frills or anything of that nature. Um, there are concessions, uh, but just make note of that. If you're not a bleacher sitting person, um, that's going to be your options when you're there. So if you see us, say hello. 
Um, and we'll be happy to see a little Blue Jackets action in July. Yeah, we, we definitely will be. So we're looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. But Laura, um, wrapping up this show today to talk a little bit about something with all of our listeners and I, we haven't really talked about how we're going to do this. So like, this is going to be fascinating. So roll with us. Um, so for the last two years, we have been, um, you know, we've been really lucky to be a part of a collective of podcasters that have just the most immense love for their teams and the most, you know, dedicated coverage and just wall-to-wall information about the teams that they cover. I mean, it's so much fun listening to all of the shows on the Hockey Podcast Network and being a part of that community. And it definitely was not an easy decision for Laura and I, but we have made the decision to um, to take the next step um, past the Hockey Podcast Network and um, – and, and basically, like, in support from the Hockey Podcast Network, from, from everything that they've given us the last two years, right? Like, uh, I think that they were a part of what legitimized us at first and gave us the opportunity to do a couple of cool things. And just, I, I'm i rambling here, and I don't know that I'm finding the right words, but, um, but us deciding to leave the Hockey Podcast Network is all love. It's all... Um, you know, all respect and mutual adoration for, for the Hockey Podcast Network and all the podcasts there. And and to all of the, I mean, like, there are a number of Blue Jackets podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network. So, like, definitely be sure they're going to be in the in the link or in the bio of this or in this description of this episode. So go check out the show notes and make sure you check out those podcasts, too. But, um, but yeah, we've, we've got something. Like, don't, this is not, like, us being like, we've left the Hockey Podcast Network and... We'll fade into oblivion here soon. No, 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 a hundred times over. Um, we've got something really fun to announce here coming up, but we, uh, we're we testing the free agent market, and maybe you'll hear something from us around noon on July 1st. But um, Laura, what are your your thoughts as we like wrap up this chapter of, of Subjectively Speaking? I mean, it's it's crazy. This is the last episode of season three, um, and, and season four will – um, we'll be just as grand and, and we'll take another step forward, but, uh, just kind of like, as we wrap this one up, what are your, what are your thoughts? I don't think that we can thank, um, everyone at the hockey podcast network enough, um, for the experience that we've had over the last two years. I think in creating this show, we never once thought that a network would approach us, um, about being, you know, a part of something and having the opportunities that we've had. And I can tell you that I will never forget the day that they reached out to us um, just wanting to have a conversation and um, just, you know, the people that we've met and the people that we've got to work with and the growth that we've experienced while being a part of this network. And like Jeremy said, they, this is a coalition of people that are so dedicated, so knowledgeable um, so passionate about the teams that they cover and are particularly like just so supportive of one another. Like, even though 
we mostly all cover different teams. Like we're, you know, constantly doing crossover episodes and like supporting each other's posts and being there to celebrate with each other when we have these, you know, big moments. I mean, that was the first people that we told when we got nominated for the Columbus Podcast Awards last summer. And then the first people that we told when we won, you know, Best Entertainment Podcast or they're always the first people we tell when we get one of our bigger interview opportunities and we get nothing but love and support. And we've been so thrilled to watch them grow from when we uh, signed on two years ago um, and all the things that they've been able to accomplish as a network. Like, like Jeremy said, this is all love. Like we are not leaving out of any sort of malice or disagreement or unhappiness. Like, um, in part, it is because of the Hockey Podcast Network that we feel that we are able to um, take this next big step um, for each other and for our show. So we truly, we truly can't, you know, thank them enough. And we we will still support the network in any way possible that we can moving forward and all the friends that we have and the, and the shows that we love. But I think if you've uh, been with us from the beginning or whatnot, you know that we've, once we knew that this could be something more than we anticipated, we've wanted to take every opportunity to do that. And as much as you know that I don't like to toot my own horn about things, like, and as much as what we have coming is a little scary and such I you know when we were stuck in a hotel room together for 36 hours like I just I said to Jeremy as like I think we're ready and I think we've we've earned this next opportunity and it has definitely been something we've really been working towards and um going to just make um the product that we put out and the content that we share just so much better and um, definitely expand our audience. So I think I can speak for both of us when I say we are eternally thankful and just so grateful for everyone at the Hockey Podcast Network. And with speaking to them, they are fully um, in support of, of this move for us as well. And we just can't thank them enough, but big things are, are coming soon. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So big love to the Hockey Podcast Network. It was really surreal. And I think you and I both kind of like smiled at each other, both in like a bittersweet, but like just a tender kind of way when when I said, you know, subjectively speaking, presented by the Hockey po- or what is it even? I don't even remember it. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of, subjectively speaking, on the Hockey Podcast Network presented by DraftKings. Um and we looked at each other, smiled because we knew that that was like the last time. And so, um, wow. Oh, that sucks. Okay. Um, <laughs> but sincerely, it's like, it's so much love. It is so much love. And again, as you're listening to this, know that this does not mean <laughs> that, any, that you're getting less of us. If anything, it's probably going to mean that you're getting more of us and maybe even in some different ways. So, um so you're going to want to make sure that you're following us. And Laura, I, this is the last time that you're doing this this way. And so I apologize for what it's going to turn into after after this episode. But Laura, 
tell the good people where they can keep up with us. Absolutely. You can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at subjectively pod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at subjectively speaking. We do have a merch store, uh, which is subjectivelymerch.com. Um, has a lot of cute merch. I even like did this incorrectly and I forgot to talk about our website. So you can check out our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com, which will have all of the updates um, when we have all the things to share with you. So that'll be a great place to check out. And then as always, you can rate, Rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, um, particularly in this transition. We'd love a little extra love um, because we're just very excited. And yeah, especially on those Apple podcasts, if you're listening there, scroll on down, hit five stars. Uh, it is our favorite number. And we just love and appreciate you all so much. And we are very excited to be sharing our big news with you very soon. So, but nothing but love to our Hockey Podcast Network family. Um, we can't thank you all enough. That we cannot. And until until next time, please make sure you take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we'll talk to you next week. We promise we will. We'll talk to you next week. But until then, um, just take care, and, and we love you. And, and to the Hockey Podcast Network, we love you. Bye.